Good morning. And welcome to Naples United Church of Christ on a morning that started nice and is now raining. So it's wonderful to have you here and uh, gathered together as God's people. My name is Dawson Taylor and I serve as your senior minister. And it's uh, wonderful to welcome you if you're worshiping with us for the first time. If you are visiting uh, Paradise for the week of Thanksgiving, I promise the weather will get better. Um, if you are joining us via live stream, Facebook Live, or We'll download the audio podcast this week, or if you have gathered together at Arbor Trace, uh, we are grateful that you have joined us. I had a great experience this week. I met a woman who uh, approached me on Wednesday night. I was at an event, and uh, she told me she has never darkened the door of the church, um, but watches us every week on live stream, and told me how meaningful it is to have that opportunity to worship with us but then told me that I look younger and thinner in person <laughs> than on live stream. And so I told her, never watch live stream again, get to church every Sunday. So we'll have to see you. She shows up this morning, but we're glad that you're here. Um, it's been an amazing week around here. I think I probably say that every Sunday, but I have to tell you, so here are a few highlights from the week. Last week, the alternative gift market raised over $12,000. So wow, thank you for your generosity. And remember, that's all money raised for our mission partners. So again, uh, thank you for that. Um, we had an incredible Thanksgiving dinner Monday night. Thank you to our social committee for um, all of your help with that. And we welcomed um, a group of friends from the Islamic Center here in Naples. And that was really um, a, a, an incredible opportunity there. Wednesday night, we had our Middlers Plus dinner. Tuesday night, I was a part of um, an event for the Neighborhood Health Clinic as they launched a public uh, campaign for um, their, the expansion of their campus that we helped with the dental suite two years ago. And so it's fun to continue that relationship and to see the amazing work that they are doing. Um, we're so proud of the work of that mission, par mission partner. There were two phenomenal lectures on Thursday by uh, Dr. John Hott. And then Friday, uh, the staff had a retreat day in which we spent the morning working on a Habitat project and partnering with that mission partner. And that was a wonderful experience. And then last night, I officiated a, a wedding for a church member on Yusepa Island, and it was a gorgeous evening uh, to do that. So it's really been a remarkable week. And then today we gather to give God thanks and uh, to remember how we are fortunate to be God's people in this place. And speaking of Thanksgiving, you will see in your pew backs there is a Thanksgiving envelope. It is the tradition of this church each Thanksgiving Sunday each year to receive a special designated offering for a mission partner. If you so choose to participate, uh, simply place that offering in this envelope and then place the envelope in the uh, offering plate. Uh, this year, the offering is going to Harry Chapin Food Bank, which of course feels like such an appropriate place on the week of Thanksgiving. And uh, we are proud to support their work as they feed uh, in, uh, and serve five counties in the Southwest Florida area. So obviously our support is vital to their work. And so if you want to also give to that offering and not prepare to do so today, you can also call the church office this week and we'll be happy to receive that gift. So I wanna thank you in advance for your uh, generosity. And as a mission-driven congregation, let us center our hearts and our minds as we prepare for worship this morning. Will you join your hearts with mine in prayer? Let us pray. 
Loving and gracious God, we give you thanks for this day. And we ask that in this time of worship that you would speak either through me or in spite of me. But that above all else, we would hear with clarity what it is that you say to us this day. All of this we trust and we ask in your many names. Amen. There is no fight like a church fight. I have watched wrestling and boxing matches on television, but the bloodiest battles that I have ever had ringside seats for are church fights. And it always makes me smile and quip, see those Christians, how they love one another. Good, God-fearing Christians can disagree over some of the smallest, most ordinary things. I recently read in a journal about a church that was in such a broil that they feared a church split. And so they knew that they wanted to bring in outside help to manage the intense emotions that were so heavy in the air. They feared the church would split. So they brought in a highly skilled consultant that brought in an equal price tag to match. And what was at the heart of the conflict? You guessed it, mashed potatoes. (laughs) I assure you, I am not making this up and I know it sounds trivial, but to the people involved, it was a very significant matter. The problem at hand was a proposed change at church fellowship dinners, whether to continue making mashed potatoes the old fashioned way or to begin using instant mashed potatoes. One faction declared that the only real mashed potatoes were the ones that you lug back from the grocery store in the huge mesh bags. Scrub, peel, cut, boil, drain, then mash while you add milk, butter, salt, and pepper. The other side declared freedom. The new day has dawned and there is no longer time for such preparation. The 21st century has arrived and it's time to rejoice with tasks made much easier. Just boil the water in the microwave, measure and pour the potato flakes, stir and voila, mashed potatoes in minutes. And they are most certainly real. It says so right on the box, real mashed potatoes. So what is all of the fuss about? Some of our disagreements would probably sound every bit as foolish to another congregation as the mashed potatoes episode, but nothing with the potential of tearing a church apart is ever frivolous. It's always real to those involved and of the utmost concern. Mashed potatoes may prove to be a little snowball that triggers a deadly avalanche within the congregation. And what pastors typically assume is that the presenting issue is never the real issue. It's never really about the mashed potatoes, so to speak. And that's what the Apostle Paul was experiencing when he wrote this morning's scripture reading. There was conflict and strong opinions in the early churches that he was ministering to. And at least in that sense, nothing in the church has changed in 2,000 years. 
In our reading this morning, Paul was giving a glimpse into the everyday lives of the Philippian church, a a congregation that was very dear to him. This was one of the first churches that Paul planted on the European continent in the prominent Roman city in northern Greece. The church at Philippi was a small persecuted group of believers on the fringe of the vast pagan Roman Empire. Philippi is a transportation hub on the great northern highway joining east to west. Paul is especially concerned about a conflict between two leaders in the early church of Philippi, and he addresses them in the letter this morning in a respectful manner, imploring them to reconcile. He comes to them as a colleague in ministry and as a peacemaker. Paul reminds them of the good times they have shared in the past. He does not avoid conflict, but he also doesn't take sides. Paul reminds them and us to seek the mind and the joy of Christ, the true source of inner peace. You see, I don't believe that we can talk about global peace on earth until we are able to get along with our parents and our children, our spouses and our siblings, until we can interact amicably with our colleagues in our workplace, until we can coexist peaceably in the classroom and on the playground, until neighbors can be tolerant of differences, and until we can worship amicably with other believers. I think peace begins first with those that we relate to on a regular basis. Each of us has experienced conflict and broken relationships, and we have tasted the bitter discord. We know how it feels to be on the outside looking in, or maybe I'm the only one here today who needs to ponder and reflect on these ideas before being with my family for a week before the holiday season begins, but I doubt it. Dorotheus of Gaza was a gentle and insightful 6th century monk. The brothers in his monastery were grumbling that they could not love God properly because they had to put up with one another's ordinary irritating habits. Dorotheus asked them to visualize the world as a great circle whose center is God and upon whose surface lie human lives. It's as if we are on a bicycle tire moving along the spokes toward the hub of the wheel. He went on to write, Imagine straight lines connecting all human lives to God at the center. Can't you see that there is no way to move toward God? without drawing closer to other people and no way to approach others without coming near to God. A Boy Scout camp hosts a well-publicized tug of war each spring. Scout troops train and prepare to pull on their end of the rope to try to win the competition, hoping to avoid being pulled into the mud pit between the two teams Competition frequently becomes intense. 
And I wonder in our world today why it so often seems that we're learning that we must have to lay aside our self-interests, personal agendas, power struggles to pull together for a common goal. And yet we seem to enjoy more often trying to pull each other into the mud instead. Paul urges the Philippians, and I believe urges us today, to embrace the mind of Christ and to think about the noble thoughts. In verse 8, he says, Finally, beloved, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatever is commendable. Or as Abraham Lincoln once said, most people are just about as happy as they make their minds to be. I believe that most of us yearn for perfect, conflict-free churches, but they don't exist. Just like perfect, conflict-free families don't either. As the saying goes, when two, where two or more are gathered, there are at least three opinions. <laughs> Paul is in prison as he writes this letter to the Philippians, urging them to rejoice in the Lord always. And isn't it fascinating that Paul has more to say from prison about joy and rejoicing than at any other time in his writings. I love the story about the denominational official who preached a 30-minute sermon on an inner, at an inner-city church on the subject of gratitude. They concluded the sermon by saying, and remember, however small the gift, always be grateful to the Lord. Just as in our worship service, Following the sermon, the offering was received. But no one could find the offering plates. And so the visiting official offered their hat for the collection. So the hat was passed, and when it came back to the minister, they carefully shook it, tipped it cautiously, and discovered that it was empty. The congregation braced themselves for the response. But the clergy person turned to the altar, raised their hands, holding the empty hat in the air, and prayed, I thank thee, gracious God, that in your good mercy, I have gotten my hat back today. <laughs> I'm not sure if you find yourself today needing a reason for rejoicing or a cause for thanksgiving as we enter this holiday week. But I hope and I pray that you can cling tight to a God who has created you from love, who has guided this church to make a lasting impact on people's lives in this community and beyond, and to a spirit that binds us in unity. no matter how you prepare your mashed potatoes this Thursday. <laughs>